You're listening, listening to, to Bible, Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Hi, everybody. Today we are in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, and we'll be in this Bible reading for the next two days. And we're coming off of two big sections um, from the first two chapters. And the first one, as was mentioned, we saw the contents of this slave savior's gospel service. So Kyle told us about preaching the gospel, telling the truth, casting out demons, healing the sick, and cleansing a leper. Okay, but when you apply that, there were five ways that the slave savior, Christ, carried out this gospel service. And Paul told us yesterday that this is the forgiving of the sins of the sick, feasting with sinners, causing his followers to be merry without fasting, um, and caring for his followers' hunger rather than rather than religion's regulation. And then also, uh, today in chapter 3, we see that he cared for the relief of this suffering sinner rather than for the ritual of, tr- of religion or of tradition. So, it's incredible that the Lord has a content of this gospel service, and a way to carry out this gospel service. But then coming to chapter 3 today, we almost have like a tag-along section with these supplementary or like auxiliary acts of this gospel service. So, in today, we'll kind of get into the main uh, sections here of how he avoided this crowd, how he appointed his apostles, he chose to not eat because he was so busy, and because he needed to minister life to the people in his house. Um, this big section that a lot of us know of binding Satan and plundering his house, which are sinners uh, saved to God. And then the last one, denying his relatives and acknowledging only those who do the will of God. So to start off, um, he avoided the crowd. Now, this is interesting because he came to save man, yet Jesus, he wasn't much of a crowds guy. I mean, even the fact, even the fact that he surrounded himself with really the twelve, like twelve of the same people for the entire three and a half years of his ministry on the earth, I mean, he wasn't for the big crowds. Of course, you know he fed the five thousand, he fed the thousands, he he healed a lot of people in these crowds, um, and he spoke to crowds at times. But Jesus has not been infatuated, or he's not after big multitudes or a movement of people. Um, even a lot of Christians today, a lot of pastors or congregations, they love the multitudes. They're, they strive for a following. Man, man love having a following. But Jesus, Jesus just wasn't that way. And it's interesting. Jesus was trying to withdraw from this crowds and even had his disciples get a boat ready, um, so that the crowds would not, um, completely engulf him. So you have to kind of identify the difference between the crowds pressing on him, and then those who touched him. So today, we might be Christians in a church life, in a, in a life pursuing after him, and we might be around him, pressing around him, because we want to, you know, we want to be around him. We want to be with God's people. We want to somehow participate in God's purpose. So we might be here in, you know, a general way. But the ones who received the help, the ones who were healed, the ones who had a direct contact with him were those who pressed forward and touched him. So the crowds were actually an obstacle for the genuine touches of sinners with the Savior, with this slave Savior. So 
Brothers and sisters out there listening to this, we don't want to be a part of the crowds pressing in a general way, following him in a general way, but we want to be those who come forward and touch him, touch him in an intimate, personal way, in a daily relationship with our, our slave savior, Jesus Christ. So to continue to the next section, we, we see the appointing, of the, the appointing of the apostles in verses 13 through 19. Now here, I love the first few verses of this section because they say the following, and he went up to the mountain, so he left the crowds, he, he doesn't want the crowds, he goes up to this mountain, and he called to him those who he himself wanted, and they went to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and that he might send them to preach. Okay, y'all, Jesus Christ our Savior has called you. He has called us. Why? Because he wanted you. No other qualification other than the, other than the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the slave Savior, he wanted you. And so the, from the time he called us and sought us, we have gone to him. That's the end of verse 13. And they went to him. We've responded by coming to him, believing into him, and he's appointed us that we might, what, preach the gospel. Yes, but what's before preaching the gospel? It says that they might be with him. Y'all, the primary reason he's called us and appointed us is that we might be with him. And then out of our time being with him, loving him, engaging in an intimate relationship of, of being one with him, then we are in a position uh, to preach and minister and tell forth uh, the virtues and the glorious person of the Christ that we know. So that's what that's what we've been called to. We've been called to know Him, to be with Him, and then to preach this Christ. So that's that's the beginning of this section, uh, verse thirteen and fourteen. But what happens next? He he calls out these apostles. And there are 12 apostles. We know them. I'm not going to name all of them. But y'all, these are a bunch of, I don't know if hooligans is the right word, but like these guys, these they're not who you would probably pick. Actually, in this whole chapter, chapter three, God is just revealing to us that we have so many natural concepts of, of who we would, of who God, who God wants, who God desires, what God wants, how God would do things. But here he picks out 12 men who weren't very learned, um, didn't have much education. You have, you have John and James, and they're the sons of thunder. Thunder here uh, means they had some tempers. Then you have, uh, to proceed, you have Matthew. I mean, he's a tax collector. They were pretty despised. I mean, the Pharisees and Sadducees pointed that out. Like, oh, what are you doing? Your, your master, he, he dines with tax collectors. Well, so Matthew's one of them. And then you have Simon, the Cananean, Cananean. And he was a zealot, uh, big time for the law, big time for God's move. Awesome. But often that, that blinded him to what God was actually doing. And then lastly, of the 12, uh, it's not really our position to question it, but we have Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus Christ. So these are the people that Jesus chose to be with him and to send forth the gospel and to, and to work his ministry out. These are the people God chose. So, Brothers and sisters, this should open up a view to us of, of God's selection of us as members of the body, as people in his church. So you look around you to the people you live with, 
um, the people who come together with us to worship him, to, to enjoy him, to read his word and fellowship with. And, you know, a lot of us have problems. We have all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of temperaments, dispositions. But you know what? God, Jesus Christ has called you because he wanted you, each one of us, to be with him and that we might preach the gospel to those around us. Okay. And you know what? The other part of this is the Lord could have done this all by himself. But what did he do? In his ministry on the earth, he chose to be with some, to, to do this, to carry out this ministry, not alone, but with others. This is a pattern to us. So the Lord has called us to enter into his ministry. So we have, a, we, we are working with the Lord, but how do we do it? Not alone. We don't do this on our own. Our, our, our participant, our participating in the Lord's work is with, with some with some other people in the body. That's how the Lord does it. Okay, the third section. Okay, the first one was avoiding the crowd. Second, he appointed his apostles. The third is not eating because of the need. Okay, so he was in the crowds, pressed in the crowds, and then he left the crowds. But now he's in a house and there are crowds. You'd think he would leave, right? And actually it was about time for him to eat. He couldn't even eat the bread because the crowds were pressing in. So his relatives are like, okay, well, this is, he's, he's beside himself. He surely needs to eat, but he chose not to because there was an opportunity to minister life. So he could have left the pressing crowds like he did at the beginning of this chapter, but what did he do? He saw the opportunity to minister life to those around him. So he's not painting black or white. Every situation is this or that. He's operating by the sense of life within him and because of the will of the father. And he saw an opportunity to minister life. So he, he went with it. Okay. Fourth, binding Satan and plundering his house. Y'all Satan has captured man in his house of sin and has, has, has brought man throughout all the generations into his kingdom of darkness. And so here's Jesus. He's being, he's being called out by the Pharisees as, as the, as Beelzebul, which is the Lord of the Flies. I mean, this is the top most, this is the strongest blasphemous name that they could have called him. It's literally saying he casts out by Satan these demons. And I mean, this is just remarkable how they could say something like this. I mean, they were in darkness for sure. And they were just, there was a subtle twist of Satan to say that he was casting out these demons by, by Satan, the Lord of the flies, um, the, the king of darkness. And Jesus makes this awesome point that like, okay, if I'm doing this by Satan, how can he cast out, how can Satan cast out Satan? It just doesn't make any sense. The king, a kingdom divided against itself doesn't stand and neither does a house. So anyway, Jesus here says that in order to plunder, plunder the strong man's house, which is Satan and his kingdom and, and taking captive mankind, he has to bind this strong man. So Satan, he's this strong man and Jesus says we need to bind him. And actually as the church, we have been given the authority and the ability to bind him, bind what has been bound in heaven and loose what has been loosed in heaven. So we need to pray as, as we are entering into the Lord's gospel service. How do we do this? Well, the Lord shows a principle here that in this gospel service, it's not just proclaiming release, release to the captives, uh, sight to the blind. We actually first have to bind the strong man, bind Satan. This is a spiritual warfare we're in. So, okay, here 
we bind him, we release sinners. And in Acts, um, if you recall, Paul, when he's, when he's accounting what Jesus said to him and was charged with, um, this was from, let's see, what was it? What was it? Acts 26, I believe it was Acts 26, 18. And in there, it's, it's just saying he has been called. Uh, I'm trying to find this verse here. Um, Okay, I didn't find it, but he's been called to release, release the captives, give, give sight to the blind, bring people back to their possession, which is God. And these people are calling this Satan. So here, y'all may have seen this portion and um, heard about this unforgivable sin. Well, I'll tell you what, you have to know the difference between blaspheming the Holy Spirit and, um, and going against God in a, a general way. Uh, to insult the spirit because insulting the spirit is mentioned in Hebrews and that's to disobey him will willfully. And you know what? All of us as Christians, we do this. We disobey the spirit. We disobey him. That happens. And we need to repent, confess and come back to him and he forgives us. But here it's the Holy Spirit. And if you just think about how God operates in this world, the triune God, the father has planned such a marvelous economy, a plan of redemption for his people. In the Son, He accomplished this redemption. In the Spirit today, well, the Spirit, if we deny the Spirit, then the Spirit has no way to apply that redemption, the redemptive accomplishment of the Son to us. The Spirit's the one sweeping in our hearts. He's the one who's seeking us out. And if we call the works of God, the works of the Spirit, as works of Satan, well, then the only one who has the power to work on us, to work upon us, and to to cause us to repent and believe, if we call that Satan, then guess what? We have no chance. That's why if someone does this, there's no forgiveness forever, but guilty of an everlasting sin. So this honestly doesn't happen much because there aren't many outward things happening like that now, but I'll tell you what, we as believers are out there preaching the gospel, not of our own power, but of the Holy Spirit. And if people choose to not accept the Savior, then that is not on us, but that's on them because they don't receive, they don't acknowledge the authority of the one who's working behind the scenes as the Spirit through our gospel work. So we need to be one with the Spirit so we can preach the gospel with the Spirit. Now, the last one is is a, re, is a rejection of the relatives and their natural concern. So y'all, I'm going to keep it brief. I'll wrap up here. But one of the greatest entanglements for us in going on with the Lord and serving Him is our family and our natural relationships. Because there's some, they're, they're people who are close to our hearts, people who we respect, we revere, we honor them. And even God says we need to honor our mother and father. But we need to firstly follow the Lord. And the Lord was making a point here saying that, okay, the people who want me to come out to Him, His, His, His literal mother and brothers, his relationship with man and with the relationship with his fathers is not of the flesh, but it is in the spirit. So we today, we are in the spirit. We are his people, his followers. So as such, we need to remain in the Holy Spirit and supplied by the Holy Spirit so we can, with our whole heart, follow him and join him in this marvelous gospel service. So I'm excited to get into the rest of Mark with you guys. Um, and next we'll see that there is the kingdom. There is a kingdom that has been sown into our hearts, but we'll leave that till Mark 4. Until then, y'all have a great rest of your day and enjoy Mark 3.